Welcome to the Ivy Podcast. We're just two aunties sharing our experience through the lens of one Blackfoot woman and one Anishinaabe woman. And we are Indigenous Vision, an educational nonprofit based in Montana and Arizona. We are 100% Indigenous led, and this is our podcast. Check us out at indigenousvision.org to learn more about our work, make a donation, or play back any of our radio shows and this episode. Hello, this is episode 87 of the Ivy Podcast. This is Melissa Spence with you. How are you, Zuta? I'm doing good. How are you? I am great. I am doing really, really well. I was just in deep reflection about how I have changed so much these last three years from when the pandemic first started, like my mental state at this time, April 2020 was brutal. Like I have been going through probably one of the worst years of my life. And I was just thinking like, maybe I wasn't depressed. Maybe I was just like unhappy for some reason because I don't feel anything like how I felt back then. And I've done a lot of internal work and stuff like that. And I was just coming to the realization, like maybe I really wasn't that depressed as I thought I was at the time, mm-hmm. but maybe I was, I don't know. Like what really is depression and anxiety for real is what I was thinking about. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And that's what they, they tried to diagnose me with first when I started first having my thyroid problems, they're like, oh, you have anxiety and that's a panic attack and welcome to the world of anxiety and panic attacks. And I'm like, what? No, I worked really hard to not have that. So a little backstory. I think I was 12 or 13 years old, and it was one of the first leadership camps that I was sent to. We were working on bravery and courage and and speaking and finding your story, some kids stuff like that. And so they had us do an exercise of write one thing, whatever you want, to let go on a piece of paper and put it into the fire. You're welcome to open that paper up and read it before you throw it into the fire, if that's what your cleansing and letting go requires, right? So I thought that, I mean, I guess I didn't think, I thought that I had the bravery to do it. And I had lost my grandma a few years, probably within that year. It was within that year. And so I wrote something along the lines of, I got to let my grandma go so that she can keep on moving, right? Like I need to keep on living. She needs to keep on moving. And, um, I was going to read it. (laughs) Thank goodness for my best friend, Leisha at the time. Holy cow. This woman is a superhero because I got up from the back of this fire. We had a campfire at camp and we were sitting on a log near the back. And I walked up through the center of the, the log Uh, chairs. And I was just about to open my paper. The last thing I remember doing was opening my mouth to read. And then all of a sudden I'm laying on the ground. And so this is like the first time, because I fainted a couple times in life, which is really weird, but it was the first time in my life that I had ever fainted. And this superhero woman, bestie of mine, Risha Crawford, she, uh, caught me somehow I have no idea she ran because I was sitting by her she ran all the way from the back before I hit the ground and she caught me and I otherwise I feel like I would have fell in the fire because I was right 
there and passed out. <laughs> and so, um, you know, the, that's when you know you're not ready to talk about something. So I, this is three years after I received a dream about Sawita Beaks and, and that calling, which created this whole organization. And so it was a challenge of obviously like looking back and reflecting on that. I was, I, did I have a panic attack? Was that anxiety? Was that fear? What was I scared of? Like, was I scared of letting go? Was I scared of speaking my truth or, you know, saying what probably 10 other people in the group needed to hear, right? That's the way sharing works. If, if you feel the need to share that you have to let go of your grandma so that she can continue her spiritual journey and that you can continue your human earthly life, there's probably other people in the crowd that need to hear that as well. That's the beauty of, of humanity and, and how community works is we all heal together and we all unconsciously are facing all of these similar issues that, that are made better faster by sharing our dialogues. There's so much power in dialogue. So fast forward, I challenged that fear of talking and I did really conscious work, put thousands of dollars into my training on how to hone a story, how to make a presentation, how to have a compelling speaking engagement, how to speak without fear, how to hold your body posture, where to think from, which does come from your gut and not up here in your nose. It's, it's a lot of similar, you know, where you find your power in broadcasting. It's not in your nasally passage. It's not in the back of your throat, right? You have to find your power down in your hips and in your gut. Yeah. So I did years and years, decades of conscious work on fighting fear and speaking and, and public speaking. And I do keynote speeches now. <laughs> and I was well into like five, six years of keynote presentations. And then all of a sudden I started shaking. Like I was about to go on stage and I started shaking and then my limbs started shaking. And I felt my tingles come down my arms and I felt extreme fear. And I felt my heart beating in my chest where I could hear it in my ears. And I was like, what is going on? And I was breathing hard. I broke a sweat from, from the, the extreme change in my emotional stability. Essentially what it was is like, I, I went from being like stable, slow heartbeat to uh, literally nothing had changed. I was practicing a, a two-page presentation I wrote, and this was a month into practicing. So I, I knew this by heart, right? I, this is when I was still using documents. Now I just, I should use documents again. I'm sorry, everybody who's listened to me. <laughs> um, yeah, it wasn't. So I was like, what the heck is going on? I went to the doctor. They said, you had an anxiety attack. Welcome to the, the world of panic attacks a lot of females have them. Don't worry. And I'm like, no, I don't have them. I've put thousands of dollars into not having them. I've put thousands of hours into training to not have them. Like what about, it was, it was nothing new about that conference that could have like re-triggered any like deep seated emotional issues, right. With that, that I had not worked on. And so I did more testing and I found out that it was my thyroid I know that my mom has thyroid problems and it's typically viewed as a women's issue, but men get thyroid issues just as much as women do. And um, Nevada, Idaho, and Montana are in a nuclear fallout zone from the testing in Nevada uh, with the atmospheric, uh, you know, when you 
explode a bomb, <laughs> no matter where it falls, if it falls on the ground or if it explodes up into the atmosphere, uh, you have nuclear particles that are released from uh, the combustion and they go up into the hydrologic cycle and the wind cycles and they're dispersed as those, you know, our uh, atmospheric rivers will take them. And so whatever stream they get into is the stream that they'll essentially flow in until they're diluted. But, you know, nuclear radioactive particles are not something that can fall into that old mentality of dilution is the solution to pollution because it's radioactivity. So I don't know. Yes, I do know. <laughs> but uh, but uh, Matskanip, the, the Blackfoot, I don't know, is almost like in a sense of like, you know, flabbergasted at that the point that we've brought this world and the complexity that we've created for ourselves and keeping ourselves healthy, we've put capitalism and economies over people's health. And we have national sacrifice zones in this country where down in the Four Corners area, there are still Pueblo people and tribes that live in our national sacrifice zone. And there is an article that you can look up that says that 80 85% of Navajo women and babies have uranium in their blood. So we are either on the verge of a really scary public health crisis, or we are going through one and, and we don't really see it as that because we're misdiagnosing everybody as having anxiety and panic attacks and depression, maybe, where those are all symptoms of a um, malfunctioning or a thyroid that's not working at optimal health. And so just a little disclaimer is I'm not a doctor and you don't have to take medical advice from me and do everything at your own uh, discretion. <laughs> Talk to your doctor about everything, right? And, and I am. And so I regularly take blood labs of my thyroid. I recently um, tracked one thyroid on my right nodule uh, when I first found it. So my regular thyroid panel came back normal. Right. But I felt like there was something more. So I probed more at the doctor to say, what else could be wrong with my thyroid if this test is coming back normal? And so he said, well, we, we very rarely do this T4 return unless we have reason to do it. And I said, well, is my request reason enough? And he said, well, I mean, I guess we could check it out. And so we did a T4 return lab and that's where they found the problem. And so for years, my T4 return was almost non-existent. And I ended up like quitting a few doctors based on where I lived and then getting with this natural path who put me on like a restrictive diet, eliminating nightshades, taking selenium and all of the things that thyroid patients are extremely deficient in vitamin D, zinc, selenium, iodine, naturally sourced iodine, not like Morton's table salt iodine. <laughs> That's not good iodine. Sea kelps and stuff like that is a good form, but I, I don't like the sea creatures. <laughs> so I um, re rely on the salt. And then uh, every now and then I'll force myself to eat a little bit of vegan sushi or avocado rolls or something like that, you know, but I had been following that. So when they originally found it, the nodule they found was five by eight by 14 millimeters. And it was on the right bottom nodule. And so I worked on this for years and years and years. And then last year, 
I got it to reduce in size to five by one by one millimeters. And then I had to fight with the doctors to get a biopsy because they don't biopsy uh, nodules that are under a certain size. And so when I originally had a biopsy ordered, was going to have that done, it was five by eight by 14. And then I worked on it for a year, drinking teas and a bunch of other things, lifestyle changes, setting boundaries, like reducing stress, creating all these different practices, Ayurvedic practices, which is what I'm trying now and doing, which seems to have a lot of really awesome benefits uh, that people with healthy thyroids should do because that's what keeps the health, right? Like prevention is the best medicine. I shrunk it to a size that they don't biopsy anymore. So I had to quit a couple of doctors until one doctor here at a local clinic finally was like, okay, I'll biopsy. <laughs> I'll biopsy it for you. And then even when they sent me to the biopsy, the person doing the needle, uh, it's it was like a nine or 14 needle or a nine needle, 14 gauge. Who knows? I have no idea. This whole thing is like mind blurring to me. I can barely keep it straight, Melissa, but in the pursuit of health, right? Like I, I will be healthy. And, uh, so they were taking out cells from the nodule and they said, everything looks fine here. The cellular health looks fine. There's not like overly abundant, you know, quote unquote, bad cells floating around in what they were pulling out. And it was smaller. I had shrunk it. So the person doing the biopsy, the person at the microscope and me, like, we're just kind of blissful for about it for like a month almost. And, and then I got a call right before our first in-person training of the year. And I was like five minutes from stepping into the Uber and I didn't think, you know, how doctors are hard to get a hold of. So I was like, oh, just give me the news doctor. Cause I was like going to ask to call back. But then I, I knew I was going to be sitting on pins and needles all day knowing she knows the results and it was not good. She, uh, told me, you know, it's a papillary carcinoma, which is a thyroid cancer. And so, and it's a very common thyroid cancer. And so fast forward a few weeks, I went through the surgery. They removed half the nodule. The surgeon was like, he's his surgeon language. And I know we talk about it. Like, it's like the way I talk about poo working at wastewater treatment plants and <laughs> collecting scat. But he was like, it's the prettiest little encapsulated cancer, which means like it didn't reach out to lymph node systems. It didn't go into blood systems, um, which are more serious. And so, okay. So I recommend that everybody, you know, persist, right? If your doctor gives you a lab test and you still feel funky and you still feel symptoms, keep digging into your symptoms. Don't, don't just sit back and, and, except that a pill that will, that also has several symptoms will be okay for the rest of your life. Right? Like, I feel like if I can address the, the problem, then I'm addressing the symptoms. So I've been doing this really cool Ayurvedic practice and I'll share the uh, YouTube video in my, in the, the description. Um, it's from fit YouTuber. And I, and I'm not paid to promote anything like this and, and he doesn't know who I am, but I've been following him. <laughs> um, you know, he kind of puts the pressure on, like, you need to do these four steps. And if you don't do them, then you're just not serious about thyroid health. And I'm like, ouch, you know, 
that's it. He, he's true right like we can't complain about being out of shape if we don't go for walks <laughs> like, like so 100 like so he this is really cool like with some cold pressed walnut oil which there was none in missoula montana i had to order it online and you have to massage this do a thyroid massage with the walnut oil and then drink a coriander tea with mortar and pestle. And so I'm trying to get in a, like a ritualistic habit of grinding coriander in the evening, let it soak at night and then boiling that mixture in the morning and drinking it uh, before I break my fast. And so um, an intermittent fasting, I feel like is something that has also really helped me because I, I used to be a big baby and I would get like hypoglycemic feelings after like two, three hours of not eating. <laughs> I um, worked on my fasting to do 12 hour fast, 16 hour fast, 18 hour fast. And now I can pretty comfortably do 48 hour fasts if I have to, or want to. But what that does is it puts your body into what do they call it? I never autophagy, autophagy, autophagy. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I'm not 100% sure try again but it's the point that your body um uh starts relying on your stored energetic resources for energy rather than like uh flour and sugar that's our temporary energy stores um and so our body doesn't touch our fat stores as long as we're eating carbs and sugar um as long as you're eating carbs and sugar your body is is relying on you to directly provide energy like that and, and then your body becomes habituated to, to energy production like that. So if you fast, then your body gets used to um, using your own fat stores for energy production. And you start developing brown fat, which brown fat starts burning uh, the other, like the other fat. <laughs> I have no idea what that is called either. Um, this is just my journey. This is my experience. If you can learn from this, definitely do it because I, I shrunk the nodule and I'm feeling fairly healthy. And so the third step is this, this yoga. And I laughed at it a year ago and now I'm serious about it now. And, and it does, it's cause it's the funny yoga, you know, the the tighten up your face or the anti-aging yoga moves where the, you've got the lion move where you stick out your tongue uh, and look up in this area of Ayurvedic yoga practice. It's called the lion's roar, I think is what it's called. And it helps me because you, you do it in a squat and you put your hands in front of you on the floor face with fingertips facing towards you and palms to the floor. And then it helps me if I like kind of go down into it the cat cow like bring it in like a cat and then exhale into the roar (laughs) it's funny i i I often wonder what my neighbor thinks of me when he hears (sighs) so you gotta do that noise and then there's um the om which was really interesting so i have the experience of doing these yoga moves with my full thyroid with the nodule on it. And now with just half of my thyroid. And I had to start out really gently last week, only a few days ago, because when I did the, so the original one is you just sit, you know, sit on the floor comfortably with a thumb and index finger together, relaxed. And you uh, say, ohm and 
om is a really good one for finding your voice because om that's all in my nose om that's all in my throat om that's down into my chest i don't know if you can tell you could tell the difference i know you have the ear but um you want the om to be focused on your thyroid and it's crazy cuz he's like you'll feel you'll feel it vibrate your thyroid. And I did it last week and I got a sharp pain and I'm like, Oh, maybe too soon. So I did a, like a little gentler ohm <laughs> and you move your head in a nod up and down. And that massages your thyroid from the inside out. So you're moving it up and down. That's a massage move. And then the ohm sound focusing on the thyroid uh, organ vibrates it. Yeah. There's, there's more yoga moves in the video attached, but be gentle with yourself, especially if you had just gone through surgery, because I have the, I, I'm in touch with my body in the way it feels. So I have a really keen sense on like nerve endings and how those are feeling and working. Plus being the massage therapist and having that training. Um, when I did the ohm uh, and that sharp pain, it scared me at first, but after a couple of days of thinking about it, what I was feeling was a myofascial release of the organ from the other structures around it. And if you take your arm skin and you roll your skin, you lift it up and you roll across, you'll feel pops and it will stick. And that's myofascial sticking, which means there's not enough lubrication and there's not enough fluid in between the, like the skin is sticking together. And so what I did with that first ohm is I popped some layers of skin that were sticking together, which makes sense because I spent how many weeks like frozen with my shoulders up and, and in pain. And so, yeah, if you're experiencing panic attacks or anxiety attacks, um, you know, it could be that, but it could also be your thyroid. And if they, <laughs> they give you a thyroid panel back and you still feel like your symptoms are related to something like that, keep pushing and ask for the, the T4 return test or, you know, work with a doctor who will work with you. I think throughout this whole journey, I've quit uh, seven or eight doctors, some who've laughed at me and laughed at the symptoms, um, some who just didn't believe me. One, the family doctor from the res who like birthed all my brothers and sisters, patted me on the shoulder, walked past me and said, it doesn't matter what you put in your mouth, sweetie you're going to have to take a pill for the rest of your life, referring to that what we eat doesn't matter in terms of our, our internal health, which is a really old school health uh, care idea, isn't it? I totally. I mean, they want us to take pills and medications because they're all connected, right? Like it's all capitalist. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah pharmaceutical industry will hate me. <laughs> I'm I sampling water to see what levels of pharmaceuticals we have in, in our waters. Um, and that's important, you know, because you when you we start talking about foundation of, of endocrine problems, and hormonal problems, bad skin, itchy skin, brittle hair, hair falling out, my hair has gotten significantly thinner. And if you're close to me, you can like, kind of monitor whether my thyroid is like hyperthyroid or hypothyroid, because that's what Hashimoto's is, is you swing back and forth between those two. When it's hyperthyroid, I will have uh, losing hair. And then when it's hypothyroid, for some reason, um, my hair tends to grow back and like I'll have a bunch of little baby hairs growing out. 
So yeah, it gets rough. Like you can, but you know, you you ultimately end up becoming um, obsessed and fixated on like internal health, right? Like, and how all of these internal systems and hormone balances affect the skin and the hair and mostly the mood and the energy. Cause I put a lot of energy into contemplating brain thoughts versus heart thoughts versus thyroid thoughts. Yeah, that's a lot. I mean, I've been friends with you for what, eight years? And I've seen your thyroid journey come to this point. Mm -hmm. So I think you're doing very, very well. And whatever you're doing, keep doing it. The external factors have improved. The internal factors have improved. So I'm just glad to see you glowing again. I know there's tons of external factors that can contribute to not just thyroid imbalance or just the destruction of a thyroid, but health in general is stress. And I began my journey with health, obviously, back in 2015 when I became a vegetarian. I started to realize what I was feeding my body was not doing well because I'm susceptible to inflammation. Like as soon as I eat something not good, I become inflamed in certain parts of my body. I'm actually inflamed right now, but it was my own choosing because I've been not behaving so well. But anyways, once I started to realize or how stress contributed to my health, I really took it seriously. Cortisol levels are no joke. Like I realized my coffee addiction was driving up my cortisol levels to a level that was just like extreme. So I began to realize stress, whether regardless of where it's coming from, needed to be controlled in my life. And it took me years to finally get to this like stress, I call it my stress-free life. I tell them I've, my coworkers about it all the time. I have a very stress-free life because I truly believe stress can kill you. And I think people need to take that seriously. Yeah. I think that's why most um, women of color tend to have thyroid issues is because of this intersection of, of impacts. Like we are uh, we don't have access to the healthiest foods. I grew up on food stamps and commodities. And so my vegetables came in a can. <laughs> Sometimes we go to Cup Inc and my grandma would have like yeah. green beans and stuff like that. And in the summer we would have uh, fresher vegetables. But where I grew up by Glacier National Park, our vegetables are frozen or in a can and they don't really last that long. We're at the end of the distribution train, uh, truck and train. So diet is just not that good for us. Like I grew up on fry bread and um, my mom made this really kick-ass um, orange chicken out of commodity chicken. And she like knew how to bread it and make the sweet and sour just delicious. And I grew up on that. A lot of other women of color who grew up poor and in poverty, uh, didn't have access to like healthy, organic, preservative-free, package-free diets, uh, tend to have a lot of thyroid issues because of the, the preservatives and just the quality of the food, I think. But then also stress as well, because that puts internally stress on our bodies, right? Our, our bodies are just not processing some foods, period. Like commodity cheese is like that is modern day sliced cheese that doesn't burn just kind of crackles <laughs> like i i was i was born on that like i i me too that. i know i like, loved it so good um but like oh uh, and the worst thing that i swear that i i freaking lived on is fry bread and a commodity cheese 
sandwich. And you think about how horrible that is now with like the flour and the frying and the vegetable oil. And yeah. So diet is a huge part of it. And what we stress out our internal bodies with, but then also our external stress and, and along with the MMIW violence that indigenous women encounter, I think we also shoulder a lot of the responsibility in our families and in our racism stressed me out to a point where I was physically not well. I very rarely have worked with men organizing community events and environmental events and missing murdered indigenous women events. It's, it's always women, right? We take on that stress. We take on the caretaking advocacy, depending uh, <laughs> we take on those roles. And, and so though that's also stressful women, you would never guess like women who are like me, who find themselves in abusive situations that are, I have been embarrassed to talk about, like, <laughs> I have, like, because me with self-defense programs is in, an, in a, an abusive situation. How does that happen? Right. So we get embarrassed. Our ego gets the best of us Our for some reason or another, we're not talking about what we're going through, but a lot of us are going through very similar things. And so that intimate partner um, violence or emotional abuse, emotional, mental, remember that's, you know, I think um, emotional and mental abuse is worse than physical abuse, having experienced all, th- all three of them, <laughs> um, because the bruises have gone away, right? But those things that were said to me still kick around sometimes. I've gone to therapy for them. They still kick around in those moments where you need your confidence. And, and you think about how those moments do come up. And this is after many years of, of um, talking to a counselor about it and praying about it and processing it and letting it go. Imagine for people who just didn't do do work at all. They just harbor these feelings of, of pain, of being hurt, of being misunderstood, of anger that results from that. And we just carry these around. And I think when you care in massage therapy, we would call it, uh, taking out the issues in your tissues, because what we go through in our life, what we experience in the workplace, the stress, the emotional stress, mental stress, it all sticks with us and stays with us unless we consciously work it out. I feel that totally. That's why I'm such an advocate for my personal peace these days, because I cannot afford to have a bunch of BS around me any longer. It directly affects my health. I'm getting to the age where I want to be healthy and I don't want to extra stress. Like I just don't want that. I, I can't believe I survived my whole youth with that much trauma and stress and still function. Like I was a high functioning person with all of these issues going on in my body from external forces that I willingly subjected myself to or wasn't aware of. But now that I'm older and I've done like so much work to clear that out and really know who I am and why I'm the way I am, I'm just like, wow, I need, I cannot play around anymore. I can't even be friends with certain types of people because it's too much stress. It's a stress I'm not willing to take on. Like I don't, my journey is very specific these days and I cannot get involved with certain types of people now. Yeah, it's hard. Like, um, I, like I, I was thinking about like romantic relationships. Like I can't, I can't be involved with somebody who is just not healing at all. Like what, like, and this has happened before. This is the situation, um, 
I go to counseling, I go to therapy, I exercise, I look for new diets, I find new diets, I test them out for the month or two, see if they're making changes. I find different, like different activities for different symptoms. Um, you know, I trial out different vitamins that are supposed to work. <laughs> I'm like doing a lot of exhaustive working on top of, um, you know, really trying to meditate and focus internally on my body and listen to what's going on and how things are working. Cause I would like to live long. I think what did I see our last life expectancy as native people was 57 or 67. I think it was sixties because it seems like people in my family tend to go in their sixties. Seven. Yeah. I would love to live long, a longer life than that. Yeah, me too. And I want to live well. I don't just want to survive till I'm 75, 80. I want to live well and have a wonderful, peaceful, fun, exciting life into my older years. And if that means I got to leave a bunch of people behind, then so be it. Because I came into this world by myself and I have no problem leaving by myself. Ooh, that's some independence, girl. Like, I, you know, I'm a snuggler. <laughs> hey. I can meet up with people along the way, but I might have to leave you behind. Yeah, you know, it's true. It's, you know, always vote for yourself. Never compromise yourself. Yeah. If I become somebody who holds you back in some way that prevents you from getting to the best version of yourself, I'm bad for you. Leave me in the dust. And I, you know, I'll do the same, but <laughs> it's like, um, that's what people need to do. You know, if you're trying to change your life, how do you stay in the same environment and expect change? Exactly. And there's a lot of grief involved with that too. Like you're going to go through a whole nother set of like loss and grief, which is, I think was what I was experiencing at the beginning of the podcast, talking about 2020, I was changing into something else. And I was experiencing a lot of grief that I thought was like major depression. And maybe I was just shedding this awful part of myself that I didn't know I had to. And then I did. And then I grieved so hard. And now I'm like out of the fog and I'm like, whoa, what was that? I remember this part. And I think you're spot on. Can I tell me, tell shut up if I'm saying, no, go ahead. I remember us talking about this years ago. And I think you were literally grieving because you had uh, encounters with like a, a lifelong friend who, who just was in the gutter partying still in the worst way possible. And that is great. That that's, you know, I identify with that because I watched countless loved ones and family members do what I call is a slow suicide. And then they make all kinds of excuses while they do it. And I just, it's, it's, they, they, they wither away from the humans that they, they were. And, um, and it's really hard to, to scrape back up into life if if that drug use or alcoholism gets you down too far but you were grieving real people i think and the version of myself that had to leave and change i almost felt like ashamed that i was becoming this new person oh. weird right like the shame no i don't think that's weird because i i think you know i've had fallouts with cousins who are heavily alcoholic and one of the first things that they do is try to shame me and asking me and or telling me that I think that I'm all better than everybody else because of sobriety. Um, right. 
So engaging in these, you know, relationships, whether they be family, friends, or romantic people, that's a huge stress on the body, you know? And sometimes, you know, sometimes it doesn't hurt people. Like, um, you can still go to gatherings where there's a six pack and the cooler and, you know, there, there are responsible ways to have alcohol in involved in your life, but, you know, sometimes people are just uncomfortable. And so, I don't know, I've never, I just dance like, like I dance like a stupid person sober. I uh, just put a vodka cranberry on top of that. And I am like the only one on the dance floor. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've come to realize I really didn't need alcohol to have a good time. I am a good time. <laughs> exactly. That's what I was like. I don't, I don't <laughs> courage. I uh I really like hone the ability of like uh conjuring up my own internal courage, right? And mostly that's like hanging out with old people and people near their end of life who I feel like I was around a lot of those people as a younger person and, and they give you a sense of um, you don't have much time, have fun. Don't worry about what people are thinking or saying about you. Who cares about that? Which, what matters is you, your peace, your energy and your passions. And so you don't have much time. What are you going to do with your 60 or so years? Thanks for listening to the Indigenous Vision Podcast. We love your support and appreciate all of your likes, shares, and comments. Our next cultural humility training will take place at the end of May. So if you missed our first two trainings of the year, don't worry. We got you starting May 23rd. Details are available right now on our website, indigenousvision.org, or you can check out the links that I've shared in the show notes for this episode. Thank you so much for supporting us. Indigenous Vision loves you.